to the Heartseed Health Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Goldstein. Together, we'll be learning to cultivate health of body, mind, and spirit. We explore medicine rooted in spirit and grounded in science and strive to help healthy individuals create healthier communities. In the podcast, we explore topics from mental and emotional health, relationships, and diet and lifestyles to answering questions about specific health issues and diseases. We're always seeking to include multiple perspectives. We'll talk about integrative health and holistic health practices and philosophies and leave you with tangible and useful takeaways. Ultimately, as we learn, we'll also promote more connectivity and awareness about beautiful, health-inspiring events, people, projects, and organizations. I thought there could be no better theme for a springtime launch of the podcast than birth. So in this episode, we're exploring the midwifery model of birth. We'll be talking with two midwives from the Community Roots Midwife Collective in Longmont, Colorado. All of us, as far as I know, were birthed onto this planet by our mothers, one way or another. Thanks, Mom. It's a powerful and sacred event that can carry a lot of significance for the family. There are many different ways of approaching birth. And as a culture here in the U.S., we tend to see it as a medical event that belongs in a hospital rather than a natural event that can happen in our homes. Now, most of us are incredibly lucky to be living in a place and an era where adequate health care options are available and where birth, which can involve life or death situations, can be supported by medical help if and when needed. Birth is a miraculous undertaking for the human body regardless of where it takes place. Every family has to make the decision of how they want and are able to bring new life into the world. Birth is the last place we want to bring shame or guilt. So I think it's incredibly important that we treat everyone else's choices with dignity and respect. As an acupuncturist, I work with women in all of the stages of bringing new life into the world. From supporting fertility and conception to dealing with morning sickness and other pregnancy challenges, including breech baby presentation, and in the promotion of labor and postpartum recovery. My experiences have taught me humility and respect for the strength and resilience of the human body and spirit, and has given me equally deep appreciation for ancient and modern medicines. I hope everyone is able to listen to this episode with curiosity and an open mind, and I'm happy to feel any questions, and I'm sure Nicole and Lo are as well. I hope you enjoy the interview, and thanks for listening. Thank you for coming on to the show today. Why don't we start with you guys telling me what what health means to you? Hey, thanks, Noah. Thanks for the work you're doing as well. And thanks for your support and advocacy for midwives. It means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So definition of health in my eyes is both uh, a physical and emotional balance, both internally and externally, uh, meaning there is a sense of wholeness for a person, um, both on an energetic level for them and also a physiological level. Mm, I like that. Mm. An example of one of the ways that I think of health is when my phone rings and it's a midwifery client and my heart rate goes up. 
that's my health. That's my body saying, you have work to do. We're going to bring you up. And that's showing my health that my body has an appropriate response to a call that someone might need me to urgently pack up for. So there's a sense of ability, like being able to respond to the world outside in the appropriate way. Mm-hmm. My body's health, my body talks to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I see that as its health. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Thank you guys. Mm-hmm. Cool. So why don't, why don't you guys tell me um, a little bit about how you got into this work to begin with, how you became midwives and why you became midwives. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, let's see. For me, it's... Uh, I had been studying uh, medicine and women's health and was trying to find where that junction was for myself and also started doing some volunteer work for hospice. So I was starting to become really interested in those times of transition. Uh, And then I was invited to a home birth. And it was very much in that moment that I realized that that was something that I really wanted to follow so yeah so I quickly started studying with midwives and went down to Mexico studied with some midwives there and traveled up to uh, educational um, birthing center in El Paso Texas okay and never looked back and from then yeah started attending births and um, started meeting as many teachers and mentors as that as possible yeah wow Hmm. how about you Nicole Um, When I was uh, young, I was able to be present for one of my aunt's home births and not for the actual birth part, but just the kids were all running around the house and playing and it was just this beautiful scene of where she was just downstairs laboring away and just enjoying listening to all of our voices and us playing and so it just was normal on that level for me and then when I um, became pregnant with my son at 21, It was just kind of instant, like, okay, I got to find my midwife. And so I received the care um, and was immediately called to be able to support people in that way. And so within a year of my son's birth, I was pretty clear that I wanted to start midwifery training and um, be able to do what I do for others, what I received. And to be held in that process was a really amazing thing. Cool. And so I started, just signed up for my first local midwifery training class from a midwife here in town. And then uh, soon after that, had a inter- or preceptorship with um, one of our local midwives. And wow. for nine years, I apprenticed three different midwives in our community and went to 150 births or so and became a midwife on my own about three years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's a, it's just, it's a long journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it was. I was a single mom for six years of that time. So I really found the balance between work and motherhood. And yeah. it was beautiful because the practices I was working in were moderately busy, which uh-huh. was a reason that that journey was a little longer because it's numbers in the right. end. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. My, both of my parents are nurses, um, and my mom did a lot of women's health and OBGYN kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and 
um, worked in like the neonatal unit. That was mm -hmm. kind of her favorite. Mm -hmm. um, and my sister-in-law actually is uh, training to be a midwife right now mm -hmm. up in Portland. So um, it's a path that's really beautiful and special. Mm -hmm. And uh, being present, I got to be present at my sister-in-law's birth um, at a birthing center in Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my own daughter's and wife's like birth, <laughs> which is really special. So, mm -hmm. so awesome. yeah, so much respect for and reverence for kind of the the work that you that you do. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, um, can you guys tell me a little bit about the collective and how it started and how it works, maybe? And yeah, it's been brewing for a while. We have all been solo practitioners and have been feeling out from each other and from our community what the needs were both for ourselves as professionals and what our community needed as far as midwifery. And so it just was a matter of us talking and networking with each other and attending births together and building trust. And um, it was a very natural process that we came together around this idea of creating a structure of support for ourselves and also a sustainable model for midwifery. Mm. So we came together a little over a year ago and um, started writing up what we felt would be a workable business plan and um, business model and uh, started taking clients a few months after that. And we were housed over at the family garden and then in a few months outgrew that space and have just been blessed to land here in this Kaufman house where we feel very at home and feel very central and accessible to the community. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's really, and this is definitely a lovely space and it's, it's so easy right here downtown Longmont. Yeah. It's just like, oh wow, here, here it is. Yeah. yeah so. It felt important. We wanted to be visible. We wanted to be accessible. So we feel good. We're right on the bus line. We're right across the street from the county office. Um, part of midwifery bringing our vocation further into integration here in this medical system is that people need to see us. They need uh -huh. to know we're here. Um, so it feels good. <clears throat> so who chooses? Who chooses to do a home birth to, to use midwives as opposed to a hospital birth? What I see is a very broad spectrum of who. Okay. Um, some of the things that I see in common with those folks are um, people who enjoy learning about their body and about... Um, scientific process and how things work and people who want to be an active participant in their healthcare, um, people who are into shared decision making on a really true level. Mm -hmm. um, I see though that being something common of most of the people who choose our care. Okay. Do you, do you, do you find that there are any like common barriers or things that maybe get in the way for people? if they're sort of leaning in the direction and kind of, yeah, curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, finances. Um, some insurance companies do cover home birth, private insurance. Mm -hmm. um, depends if it's in or out of network and what your deductible is if you're right. actually going to receive some money back for your money you've put out for your birth. That um, has been a barrier for some folks. And um, 
also just those without insurance whatsoever and those on Medicaid, um, they people on Medicaid could have a free birth in a hospital setting. Um, and so it's a big stretch even to pay on the lower end of our sliding scale for some of those people. And um, yeah, I just, I think finances and just education. I don't think that many people really get what midwifery is and that we're, you know, primary care providers through the whole prenatal birth and postpartum period. Some people confuse us with a doula, which is sweet. Doulas are amazing. And we really hold that medical piece as well, mm -hmm. which is very different. And so, yeah, just education and finances are the two main things I see. Absolutely. I think that, uh, Along those lines of the education, that folks just not really understanding what midwifery is, um, mm -hmm. is also just then a lack of family support. Um, that's a huge barrier for some of our some of the community um, because some people are, are starting to learn a bit more about midwifery now, but it's if it didn't happen in the generation for their of their parents or their grandparents, then they might be really up against some intensity. Um, internally with their family and that can feel way too, way too big for some people to take on okay yeah I know you guys have a fund you mentioned the the financial piece and so tell me a little bit more about how that works and how you guys are, are able to support people who maybe do have financial considerations that would make it more difficult yeah we have a, a birth service fund that we started uh, just a few months ago and we are using that fund to directly uh, supplement for families who are paying at the bottom of a sliding scale that we've created. So we've created this sliding scale in hopes of both um, creating a culture of giving within our community that is accessing midwifery. And so we're hoping that scale opens up the opportunity for someone who, with more resources, to be able to um, give a bit more for the care they receive with us to supplement than someone who is paying at the lower end of the scale. And then our fund comes in to, again, then support, um, support that scale. Um, we haven't gotten to the capacity in our practice yet where that's um, sustainable. And so we're hoping that it does and we're hoping to supplement with the birth fund um, so that more people can have a lower cost birth. Um, and this fund is also to support the community outreach and the education that we're doing um, as part of the collective. Okay, that's, that's really, really, really great um, and beautiful that you guys do that. It's... Yeah, I mean, um, we started having clients um, give birth, clients in our um, collective started giving birth in September, and we've already had two families who've paid at the higher end of our sliding scale um, and allowing two other families to have a lower end. Wow. So lower end of the sliding scale births. So it's really beautiful to see it in action. Mm -hmm. We also have a generosity campaign out there where we're raising funds to help support this birth service fund as well. And um, folks can choose different things um, on that generosity where they can, you know, pay for someone's birth class or get, allow someone to have sliding scale placenta encapsulation or, you know, all these services that go alongside midwifery as well. Being able to allow folks not only to access our care, but also supplemental care and things as well. Cool. That's, yeah. that's really, and where, where can people find out about that if they're 
Well, is that on the website? It or? is. If okay. you go to www.midwifecollective.com, on each page, there's a Donate Now button, and that takes you directly to our generosity fundraiser. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I like that. I, the generosity idea that just, you know, you said the culture of giving, mm-hmm. and it feels really relevant to birth and bringing yeah. new life into the mm-hmm. world and, and how we as a community all have to support each other and... Mm-hmm. I mean, as a parent, I know how challenging those those first few days and then weeks and even years <laughs> out can be, you know, and um, kn- knowing and feeling that that there's that there there are other people out there that sort of have your back or that you can turn to if there's if there's need. And then knowing like that you can also be there to support others if that's a possibility, you know, mm-hmm. that's it's just I think that um creating opportunities for people to give is like a gift in and of itself. Absolutely. And so that's, that's really lovely. Yeah, absolutely. In a way that, um, people can connect with that will make real change. I think that's one thing that we're trying to do as well, uh, in regards to education is, uh, trying to explain and exemplify how birth is everyone's issue, how it's not an issue just for folks who are having babies or an issue for the folks that are involved professionally with the process of birth, but really the well-being of our communities uh, really stems from how people birth and how they're taken care of during that process because it has such a direct effect on how they bond with their baby and then how they parent and who that person comes becomes in a community. So we're really trying to spread that message for folks to realize that the well-being of our communities really rests on how we take care of our moms and our babies. And that's really important. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm curious what you guys see with you know, having the birth experience at the home and and what what you notice maybe around how people yeah how how that process is maybe softer or more generous or more caring or yeah i really see it um fortifying the family bond um there's nothing like a toddler um being a part of all the prenatals and met getting to measure and listen to the baby and really just become a part of the process. And I see a really smooth transition in comparison when the, the, the siblings are allowed to be a part of the process, whether they're at the birth or not, they still feel really a part of things. Um, and I just see, yeah, just the beauty in that. And I also see folks who just need that extra level of safety and support really thriving under the our care um just that knowing that there is someone who's going to answer the phone um they aren't going to have to wait a couple of days to talk to someone if something scary is going on or they're confused about something i see folks just constantly telling us just how much it means to know that we're always there for them and it's such a different situation when you're calling an office mm-hmm. um, for an OB mm-hmm. um, and just people feeling that support in the postpartum time I think makes a big difference in their continued health and wellness um, we know postpartum depression is a big issue and home birth parents as well have postpartum depression but I do see that the care that they receive really helps it 
not spin out as far as it could go, um, helps them feel resourced within it. Um, and yeah, all that beauty that comes with just feeling held. And just to dovetail on specifically the differences with the home birth, uh, one of the backbones of midwifery care is that we're providing individualized, culturally competent care. Mm. And that's huge for people when they're having their babies. And so what we see in the home is that we're able to meet people where they're at. They're able to express themselves and... Um, pull in for them what feels important when it comes to the birth, which is hard to do when you're leaving your home and when you're trying to give birth uh, in, a, in a place that's not comfortable. And so that's what's really wonderful for families to be able to be at home. They can prepare their traditional foods. They, If there's any specific birth or postpartum practices, they can really bring that in. They can have family there that they want to. So there aren't those limitations that we see in a more institutionalized setting. And I imagine you guys pick up on certain things about relationships and family dynamics and, you know, that maybe you're able to address in ways that somebody who hasn't ever been in the home of somebody um, might not be able to. Absolutely. Yeah, our care, we're really blessed. We're the model of care that we practice from. We're given... Our prenatal uh, appointments last on average an hour. Our initial appointments are longer. And then our postpartum visits are anywhere from an hour to three hours. And so we're spending time. We're getting a sense of how the family system is working. And in terms of how the birth goes and how postpartum time is, it's having that understanding and that connection with the family is priceless. So, so uh, that, that actually kind of flows into... I w- um, the next kind of question I was thinking about, which birth is this incredibly sacred event and, um, and it's such an intimate one and you have the, the, the honor of being in that space with, with families, with couples, with, um, and I'm just curious what you guys notice as far as partnership dynamics are concerned and if there's any patterns or anecdotes or maybe even just advice that um you know especially for first-time parents birth is this foreign thing and often partners are sort of like left fumbling like i don't know what to do or how to be supportive and so i'm curious like if what what you guys would you know say about that I just think the beauty is we have our we have our relationship building period over the prenatal time and we encourage partners if there is one to be present as much as possible so we can also build that bond with the partner and then we get to know them a little bit more and see how we can be helpful in facilitating them feeling included as well. Um, it's We talk a lot about um, their comfort being an extremely important thing at the birth. So if they're uncomfortable, if they're nervous, um, that they should definitely check in with us. No question is a dumb question. If you're uncomfortable, the whole room feels you. So let's just talk about what you're wondering. And, you know, open communication, I think, is a really big piece of that and building relationships. And then partners feel empowered at the birth and feel like they can ask, like, what can I do? 
how can I be helpful? And it's not like um, the power dynamic isn't the same as I would imagine with an MD in a hospital setting. It's more of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Common advice I usually give uh, partnerships are to remember to tell each other how remember to uh, like thank each other for the work they're doing. I it often I see that either the birthing person or mama just feels like she's doing everything or she's doing so much and then you've got the other partner on the other side that just feels like they're doing so much and the truth is it's just a huge transition. It's mm-hmm. a huge surrender for everyone in a family. And so I just remind folks to to make sure that you're connecting with your partner and telling them thank you for everything they're doing. Um and, not, and to try to avoid that, like, I'm doing more than you thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, the other advice is just to continue to listen to each other because it's, a tr- it's such a huge time of change. And often, after coming through the threshold of pregnancy and birth, uh, no one is the same. And so there, it takes some open-heartedness um, between partners and, um, and some good listening skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wanna, yeah, I'm like I'm feeling this like this sweetness in in this conversation and this dialogue, and I mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm hoping that that gets sort of transmuted and mm-hmm. that anyone listening can sort of feel like just this tenderness and mm-hmm. you know in the heart that I'm experiencing right now. It's just so lovely, and mm-hmm. I can really see just how much you guys care about mm-hmm. about what you do and 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 the people you work with and how important it is that everyone feels cared for and mm-hmm. supported and yeah. yeah and and i'm curious how how what if anything you guys do to cultivate like whether it's a spiritual practice or um or not a spiritual practice but like a act running or whatever it is <laughs> what you guys do to kind of take care of yourselves as, as caretakers and caregivers and, um, yeah. Yeah, it's self-care is a huge theme. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> huge. Uh, and central to this conversation is the collective. It's one of the main reasons that we formed it as well, um, is, was to create an internal support for ourselves as midwives. Um, so that is just, I can't, not mention it in that sense of um, finding a way to resource ourselves through this work so that we're not feeling isolated and alone um, and not getting burnt out. Um, uh, for me personally, the other piece, pieces of that are um, just super blessed and resourced um, for just having an incredible family, incredible support from uh, my family, my partner, my children. Um, who support me in doing this work. And we are blessed to have a spiritual practice um, of, uh, based in the indigenous Mexican traditions of danza and um, the Mexica Red Road. And that for me, that's a huge, a huge mover. I can move my body and also have some spiritual space and elders to count on and call upon when I need. And yeah, I've just find other ways um, to move my body, both with music and movement um, that helps keep me afloat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have to have a very, very intact self-care plan. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's ever-changing. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm 
getting body work. I'm doing chiropractic. I get my monthly massage. Um, I sit in my hot tub a lot. <laughs> I really enjoy, you know, just having social times with friends and dancing and all of that together is my medicine. Um, mm -hmm. Just receiving is really important for me personally. Um, it fills my cup again. So just knowing that about myself and making sure that I'm able to do that. That's, that's my self care. Um, and I'm sure I could always improve mm -hmm. my self care practices mm -hmm. and I can, you know, hope everything just continues to grow because I know that I'll continue to need to be supported in new and different ways. So always looking for that next self-care piece mm -hmm. to add in, tie together. And I just echo what Lo said about creating this collective being one of the number one things I could do for myself for self-care. <laughs> um, not only the loneliness of, you know, holding all that on your own, but um, just knowing that I'm only going to be at a birth for 24 hours no matter what. And then I'll be going home and I'll go off call and I'll take a nap and re regain my health. Mm -hmm. um, and that keeps me feeling a lot better as well. Just knowing that there isn't that second birth to run out to or I won't have to stay for 48 hours, which can be a common first time labor. And you never want to rush that. Right. Um, and it's so beautiful to just be like, your next well-rested midwife is going to be coming in at 9 a.m. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so that alone just oh, feels so good to know that there's a, there's a clock out point. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that, I mean, that's all just lovely. And it sounds, I mean, just the idea that like your collective, the midwifery collective is a form of self-care. I think that's... That's really precious. Yeah. yeah. So I have one more question um, and then a couple of whimsical ones. Um, and I was speaking with my wife, Rachel, who did her master's uh, project as a dance movement therapist on birth as a rite of passage. And so I'm just curious if that sort of phrase, if that evokes anything for you guys, if that resonates in any way or what maybe, you know, just to sort of tie in, you know, the last episode with this one. Yeah. Yeah, it gives me the chills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I see it as that completely. Um, we see uh, so much happen when the threshold of birth is open. And I think I said this earlier that no one comes out the same. Um, so it's, uh, it's such a prominent part of our life as a human being, um, and we are so changed from going through it. Um, it takes a tremendous amount of surrender and um, effort, and so all of those things, I believe, really pertain to rites of passages. Um, and for the most part, I, I really believe that it's something that brings us together as humankind. And so there's another thread that is just really powerful for us as we're living in this world where we're more globally connected and really finding ways to relate to one another. And so birth is such a precious piece of that and so important to every human. Yeah, and I can just speak to um, 
my birth feeling like it was a really, really amazing rite of passage. And I really felt the shift from maidenhood to motherhood. And I felt the length of my labor being a part of that. Like it was definitely a transition that I had to go through on more than a physical level. Um, it was definitely very emotional and spiritual as well. And on the other side, we just we just come out a, a very, very new and changed woman in some way or another. And I don't think that um, birth is a rite of passage that if you don't experience, you're any less of anything. Um, I really honor folks who choose not to walk that. But um, as someone who has experienced it, I'm very clear that for me it was, it was a life-changing couple days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps the beginning of, of a long period of life-changing because if anything I've learned from parenthood is that they grow and change and push you into new places and confront you with new challenges as just when you get used to it and you're like oh I think I got this undercover I got this and then something changes and it's a whole new a whole new game I would not be the woman I am today without my son being a part of my life Uh, he has been my greatest drive to continue to thrive mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah how old is he now 14 and a half whoa (laughs) ninth grade we just crossed over the threshold of high school. Yeah. Which is also a, a rite of passage. Rite of passage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, something I feel like is important to note is I think another aspect of rites of passage is they typically have uh, three phases to them. And so that's one piece that I feel like midwifery care in general, because of the way we approach both prenatal birth and then the postpartum period, makes it just even that much more tremendous and important. Um, the coming through the birth is huge, but then there's the postpartum period, and that is equally a part of the process and needs to be tended to very dearly uh, because sometimes I feel like people come through that rite of passage, they're on the, in their transition through the birth process, and then something, their care drops off or their ability to care for them drops off. And so I think when it comes to the health and well-being of our people, we also need to be paying more attention to that postpartum period and realizing that it's just we're in as a human person, as a human being, we're in that tender transition. We're in that rite of passage still. And Mm -hmm. so the quality of care and um, attention that's given to that postpartum period is really important. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely saw that with our family. Do you have any, like... I mean, maybe it's even dishonoring to that whole period, but are there any like must-haves or crucial like sort of pieces to that postpartum period that, that you guys would want anyone listening to sort of know about or think about if they're, you know, either pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant or... I just think it's really important to honor that time. Um, here culturally, we get up and go. And it's not serving families, it's not serving women, it's not serving children. And just giving everyone the permission to lay in, to rest, to just be. Because laying there, learning your baby's feeding cues, and nourishing yourself is enough. And it's enough for 
six weeks, 40 days. I mean, it's, it's a big world out there and to expose yourself and your newborn to it can put you in a very vulnerable place. And so just giving everyone the knowledge that I know this culture says get up and go, but rest if you can and find people to support you in that time um, of rest. I know in uh, in Eastern cultures, there's the concept of the fourth trimester mm-hmm. where really, you know, there is this idea that even though the baby's out, that it's still brewing mm-hmm. and that yeah. the mama still needs to, to recover. And in Chinese medicine, there's a tradition of of keeping the woman essentially on, on bed rest mm-hmm. for, you know, up to up to 40 days. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and the idea is that later on in life that will pay back you know tenfold absolutely we say the you of 20 years from now will really appreciate if you are able to lay low and protect yourself in this tender time and heal Mm -hmm. there's so much healing to be done Mm Yeah, there's an amazing midwife. Her name is Rochelle, and she teaches an incredible postpartum class that's called Innate Traditions. And um, she's a new friend and mentor of mine, and she has compiled this uh, amazing information, kind of cross-culturally, what are the elements that we see time and time again that cultures are bringing in and using and treating um, as important in the postpartum period. And so she's put together the idea that rest first and foremost, and then there's other traditions of warming foods and warming treatments, um, and then uh, care uh, directed towards the well-being of the pelvic floor. Mm. So those, I, she's doing some amazing work and just want folks to know about her and what cool. she's teaching about the postpartum. Cool. Yeah. Are there any other resources out there you think people should know about? <sighs> So many. It's hard to generalize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Aviva Ram has a really nice postpartum book um, that I've given to people who have just been a little interested. And it's, it, there's recipes in there for herbal ways to support yourself in the postpartum and talks about bat- bathing and just ways to support yourself in the postpartum time. That's one that I could say can be helpful for people just trying to get a taste of what that can look like. Yeah, and what about about birth in general? Mm-hmm. Gosh, well, let's see. Citizens for Midwifery is a wonderful consumer-oriented um, um, group that publishes a ton of information for midwifery in general um, in the United States. So I, they have a wonderful compendium of studies and research, um, as does the Midwives Alliance of North America, MANA, um, they've published some research um, using a national um, database that we're collecting um, so that we have a place to put our uh, midwifery-led uh, birth statistics. Um, let's see. Um, the Colorado Midwives Association has some information on their websites. If you're just curious about midwives in Colorado and how many of us there are and... Um, a little bit more about that. Great. Mm-hmm. I know that, that Ina May's books were very uh, yes. so supportive and for for mm-hmm. us. Absolutely. In, in, uh, um, and I'll put um, links to all these organizations yes. sort of on the website and in the, the notes about the podcast so that anyone can 
just click and link to them. So. Awesome. Yeah. There's yeah. such a beauty to just reading the diversity of the birth stories in Ina May's books that I think just really helps folks realize like there isn't one way. Mm-hmm. It just can be yeah. so many different ways, you know. Some people could sit at nine centimeters for 12 hours. I mean, and that can be normal too. Right. And when you read those stories, you really get the, the vast, the vast spectrum of normal. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. This has just been really, really, really lovely and, and delicious. And I hope everyone listening feels the same way. And, um, why don't you just go ahead and give us one more time, like how people can can get in touch or learn more about you. I mean, obviously there'll be links, but yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah, our website is a great way to, to find us and find more information about us. Um, we are at collectivemidwifery at gmail.com as well. Um, and... I just wanted to say a quick thing, too, about our collective. Um, Two other big pieces that are important part of the picture are that one thing that we need to do as midwives is continue to train midwives. And so this is another thing that we're looking to do, and so we'd love to continue to spread the word. We are... Our deep hope is to train midwives who represent our under-resourced and underserved communities. We'd love to find a local student that represents some of those communities here in Longmont and Boulder County. Um, and then another piece of what we're doing is creating a deeper community. So um, in our office space, we have a community teaching space downstairs. Um, and it also is houses our community gatherings. So we have a birth circle for our families, past, present, future clients that comes together monthly and then are just hoping to continue to grow our resource from there. Amazing. So. It's so beautiful. Just all of the offerings. Again, that, that concept of a generous community and community of giving. And so, yeah. yeah. If anyone's interested in just finding out, you know, from the basics, um, midwifery model of care is mm-hmm. a good thing to look into if okay. you're just looking at, you know, what in what ways midwives serve that is different. And um, yeah, just finding us at midwifecollective.com. Um, we also have a Facebook page, Community Roots Midwife Collective. And um, yeah, we are open to any phone calls, any questions, if anyone's interested in learning more. Cool. Well, thank you guys again so much. And um, I look forward to hanging out again. Me too, Noah. Thank you. Thank you, Noah. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to the Heartseed Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with anyone else who may appreciate it and enjoy it. And Feel free to subscribe either via iTunes or our website, heartseedhealth.com, to get updated when the next episode comes out. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'm always open to feedback, so if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to connect and let us know. Thank you. the seeds we sow must break open in order to grow. Shed their skin, la la.